0: That being said what's up how you doing i'm doing all right i'm doing you're
1: good you're doing it's all
0: nice right. and
1: sunny here in california so that
0: must be nice we got a <laughs> semi warm front felt like spring two days ago and it was 50 60s and then it got right back down to snowy and snowstorm and five degrees outside so that was a lot of fun in new
1: york city do you, do you want to know something my skew i'm so skewed by what the weather is and like what the like season is that I opened up Instagram on Saturday and saw everybody doing a beach run Mm -hmm. and then went out to dinner Saturday night and full-on said it was summer.
0: (laughs) Wait, but skewed skewed by California weather?
1: Yeah, just because it's always summer here. So I just forget. The fact that I saw everybody running to the beach, like that's what I associate with the summer. And and then meanwhile, Sunday morning, I open up my app and it's Instagram and it's snowing. And I'm like, what the fuck is (laughs)
0: No, see, people make fun of me all the time, but then winter hits in New York City and then it makes sense why I migrate to Florida every winter. Yeah, I get um, it. And this definitely is spring, summer, down there all the time. So like I'm, I have no regret going down there uh, and bunkering down for the winter. So now, yeah. actually, quick question. How do you like, so you're in LA. How do you like California now compared to New it. York?
1: I love Ooh. it here.
0: You're going to, you're going to ruffle a lot of feathers with that statement.
1: <laughs> you know what? Like, I really love New York as well, but there's something like, I've, I've really wanted to be living a life where I can be outside as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And that's a hundred percent something I can do in LA. So there you nice. go.
0: So how long, how long were you in New
1: York and how long have you been in LA? <laughs> um. So I had been in New York, I'm saying 18 years that I was in New York, right? Um, But the past two years, my work and Take the Bridge has been bringing me back and forth between New York and LA a lot. So like primarily my, my day job has been bringing me back to LA back and forth. So I spent about half my time starting in like 2020 till now, so the past two years, I've spent about half my time in New York and half my time in LA. So, and then I officially moved out here in October. So just a few months.
0: That's a good segue into this intro. So I'll go ahead and knock that out. What's up everyone. Welcome to the Stay for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, Take the Bridge co-founder, race director, Lou Lemon ambassador, CLA friend, interior designer, artist, puppy mom, New York City 18-year local, I guess. Uh, I don't even know how to say that. Recently, LA transplant, Darcy Budworth.
1: (laughs) Hey, what's up?
0: What's up? (laughs) All right. Actually, before we get into Take the Bridge, let's talk about your day job. I think people, I was surprised to know this when I first met you, that you're an artist and an interior designer. so walk me through you as an artist
1: yeah um so I think it's very funny people think that take the bridge is my full-time job Mm. (laughs) so like I mean that's what I thought
0: that's what I thought yeah so when
1: I tell them that no I have an actual real job (laughs) I think that's surprising (laughs) to people um So yeah, I am an interior designer. I've done everything from residential design and um, bars, restaurants, hotel design. I worked at SoulCycle for a number of years and designed all the SoulCycles on the West Coast. And then um, I worked at WeWork and did like office design. And then recently I now work at Away Travel. So I am the... um, retail design director, which what that means is I work with our um like our real estate team and picking and choosing where we're gonna have new stores at. And then I design them and I head, I like I like watch over construction. So I go all the way from like helping to choose the stores all the way to opening up the stores. So I design them and then I open the stores up and set up the teams for their open new store. And then I leave the day this store opens. So so that's like my design job or my day job. Um, But I am trained, I went to school, the whole reason I went to New York is that I went to school at Pratt Institute, which is an art school. And what's different about Pratt versus many other schools for interior design is that it's very conceptually based, which means that I have a lot of art background and design background and like very well-versed in like not only just interiors but like exteriors and art. And like, I've spent a lot of time doing all the above. So (laughs) I'm a very well-rounded artist. There you go.
0: Well, so walk me through by definition even like educate me a little bit. What is interior design and how is it different than exterior design and other design work? (laughs)
1: Um, Interior design is such like a wide, like it's one thing that describes so many different things, right? Um, And I actually, my degree is in interior architecture. So like I'm well-versed and knowledgeable about how things are built and construction and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And then also just like finishes and spaces in general. And so like interior design, when you think of it, it's like how the all of the interior spaces are created and like how you experience them completely, right? And so like you could easily, and I try to stay away from like thinking about just furniture and like pieces that you can buy online because that's really inter- interior um, decorators that do that. But it's really like the entire space and how you're going to experience a space when you walk into it. And that's everything from like ceiling heights, to like how things are built and like how you're gonna walk into a space, how you lay out a space, like all of those things are are thought about.
0: So, mm-hmm. so do you take into account like experiential parts uh-huh. of the job? Yeah, like how people yeah. like the user experience when they walk into a store, and then yeah, interesting. Yeah, what's a project you're super proud about?
1: So I was just reminded of a project that I worked on with SoulCycle, where it was the first time that SoulCycle did a studio outside of a spin studio. So it was called like, mm. off the off the bike was the concept. Um, and um, it was called the, it's called Soul Annex. And it was on 18th street in New York. And so it was a one-off design of a studio. And it really was like a white box that I was able to design. And like, what I loved is it was all about experiencing a space, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, one like we took into like perspective of like when you're walking in the space and like did a lot of really crazy lighting as you're walking into the space and how you get into the studios. But the studios themselves, we had them be white floors and then a gradual gradient of black, and then these huge fixtures, these light fixtures that went into the spaces with this um, this lighting called Athena. And basically you can program it to be any color whatsoever. And so during oh, cool. the class and like, you know like if you look it up, like Soul Annex, you'll be able to find like videos of what this experience was, but it was supposed to be like a full-on like almost marketing kind of experience as you walked into the store, which is why we did like all these different lighting things and like perspective things or whatever. Um, but when you go into the studio, the instructor can switch in between different colors of lights for like when you're warming up and then when you're doing different activations and then when you're cooling down and so it really did feel like a full on experience and this flooding of light into like what was supposed to be just like not a white box not a black box but something in between that and like a flooding of light to feel an experience as you're working out right
0: yeah <laughs> I like it. That's cool.
1: It's hard to explain, but honestly, if you Google it and you see a video of it, like I fully designed that and I forgot that I had done that. And it was just such a fun departure of like designing the same Soul Cycle studio over and over again <laughs> and being able to just like have free range into like, how do you want to experience a workout class? Right. And that was fun.
0: I've never done a soul cycle class.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I haven't done one since I left. <laughs> So like, also but like you I've have a
0: reason heard. to be outside though now all the time yeah, and so
1: riding outside to be honest so. yeah
0: so yeah. okay walk me through your background as a cyclist and you as a runner walk me yeah. through your athletic sports background
1: I've always had like some kind of like movement in my life however you want to view that just being active mm-hmm. I grew up in a household where my mom and this sounds funny but my mom is a speed walker okay. growing up like a so competitive she,
0: a competitive speed walker
1: highly competitive isn't highly, it the,
0: it's in the in olympics, olympics right or no <laughs> yeah it is my yeah. mom
1: was such a fast walker like it was crazy but she was part of all these competitions she'd win them all the time like she was a fucking badass right she would thri- so-
0: thrive in new york Driving you but you and you grew up in Portland so that's I find yeah, it is, is yeah, that ironic
1: the,
0: the fastest speed walker um, in the world and one of the slowest towns yeah. in America
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say the slowest but, still. All right. All right. Um, but so I had that in my life she also like um, taught aerobic classes and so like I basically would be the babysitter in the back room as she was teaching aerobics classes so like mm-hmm. Being active was always a part of like me growing up and an experience that I grew up. And it's funny, my mom once said, like in some kind of interview that I was like around her, she was being interviewed. They asked her like, does she take days off or something, (laughs) right? And my mom said that when she doesn't work out, if she doesn't do something active with her body, it feels as though she hasn't brushed her teeth for the day. Right. right. I get that. And so, I remember I so much. being young and hearing that and being like, you're fucking crazy.
0: <laughs> like, mom, what are you talking about? mom? Well, like, that makes right? no nice sense. Yeah.
1: But like a hundred percent, I feel that now and I understand it. Right. So like, that was like, I grew up with that just being a backbone of life. Right. And moving your body every single day. And so like, I've always worked out, but it wasn't until I moved to New York that I started running. And it was just, I feel like it's hard to live in New York and not get the running bug.
0: Mm, Right. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I will say like, I moved to New York and I saw people running this marathon and I was like, these people are fucking crazy. Like, why would you ever do that?
0: (laughs) You know, I I saw a recent, uh, like a video on social, I don't know, but it was like, do people in New York even work? Like you can go outside any time of the day and you'll see people training or you'll see people jogging, running, speed walking. It doesn't matter. You'll see see people outside running around. So you didn't get into running until you were in New York.
1: Yeah. And like, it was just introduced to me via like different friends and different people I was hanging out with. And each time I kind of resisted it, but it really became a staple of my life. And when I started working at design firms and what would happen is I'd work such crazy hours and like three nights out of the week, I'd work until like midnight. And Mm. and like, when you work that late at night at these studios, it's like, or these firms, it's like, oh, you can take a you can take a taxi home now because you've worked so late, right? But I felt so sick because I'd been at a desk all day long and I was like, I need to move my body. And so like my only thought was I'll run home. (laughs) So that was like really when I started owning running was the idea that I could start running home and that would be my form of fitness, right? And it was also like this thing of as I was Running home, and I lived in Brooklyn, and I worked in the city, and it's like you're running over the bridges. It's like this moment of peace and quiet, where like all of the things that you've been going through during the day, you can kind of like flush it out and like reset. So I think that's when I fully started owning running or having mm. it in my life. So,
0: did you find that it was like an easy sport to pick up?
1: Yeah, I think it was just I'd always worked out like all the time, and I think that it was just something that. I've had, what I will say is like, I've had a lot of struggles with anxiety and like a little bit of depression, but more anxiety that the moment I started running, I felt so much more at ease. And I saw that reducing how much anxiety I had that like, it felt like a no to just keep doing it. And it just made me feel so good, you know? So it was like, why not keep doing the things that are supporting your, your health? In more ways than you know, like it's healthy for me in more ways than one. You know, like it's a mental health thing for me as well. You know, so um, yeah. And then like, so I have run for maybe like I got into running maybe five years into me being in New York. So maybe the last thirteen years I've been running, maybe even more than that actually, to be honest. My first marathon was in two thousand and nine. So maybe even like. 14 years, 15 years, but, um, I'll say that maybe about five years ago, I started getting injured a lot <laughs> and, and getting injured constantly. Like I had a lot of stress fractures in my feet that I was dealing with and I kept coming back too quickly and getting re-injured. And, um, so through all of that, my ex-husband bought me a bike. And I remember when he bought it for me, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> i didn't ask for this bike
0: wow were you anti-bike at at the time as a runner were you anti-bike like anti-cycling
1: no i think that like i just thought like i didn't ever bike and i was like why would you get me this like i didn't ask for this (laughs) right and i think i used it once and it just felt harder than what i thought it would be and i was like i'm not ever using this and so like it sat dormant for a while before i used it and it was just that i had no other choice because i um was i was running so i when i got injured i had no other choice rather than either stay still or take up biking or like go to the gym but like i wanted something that was gonna let me be outside you know so
0: That's how you picked up cycling because you were injured. It
1: is. I was injured. And so it was like an easy thing. And what I'll say is like very quickly, I started biking everywhere, like commuting via bike. And Mm -hmm. I found that, okay, so how can you get to work during the daytime, right? Like in the morning, like you either take the subway or I would bike and okay. The experience of being on the subway in the morning is that you are in a rush Your time is not, like, you can never predict what time the subway is going to get there, if anything's going to break down or anything like that. And so, like, one, you are, like, relying on public transportation and getting you there on time, and you never know whether or not you really are going to get it on time there, right? You're stressed out about that. You're surrounded by all these other people. And the thing with New York is, like, as much as you can be calm and you can be, like, trying to like stay in an element of like calmness, right? The moment you're surrounded by all these other people, their energy is then affecting you. And so it's like, how can I stay calm and have a nice entry into the day when all these people are fucking nuts and crazy around me and they're all in a bad mood? So how does that not affect me? And so then I enter into my day that way every single day. And it's like that, Or I can bike over the bridge and have this amazing view over the bridge, feel like the fresh breath on my hair, like on my face. And like, it felt like a no-fucking-brainer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would like to enter the day in a nice chill way. And that was the way to do it, so.
0: Nice.
1: That like was another way of me like wanting to bike more and more. Mm -hmm. And then like, what's funny is I really resisted it and hated it for a long time. And maybe the last like three years is when I've really come to love riding.
0: I want to ask you more about cycling and riding. You're one of the few people, if not the only person I know, that has like a handful of bikes at their disposal. You have a morning bike, you have a night bike, you have a casual bike, you have a Saturday bike, you have a race bike. You're the one. How I have running shoes, like my closet is full of running shoes. You have a closet full of bikes.
1: Jacob, you're not a cyclist, so you don't know this term. Oh, okay. There we <laughs> but go. But there's this term of um, N plus one. <laughs> or okay. maybe it's d e plus one. But there's the idea that what, however many bikes that you have, the number, the ideal number of bikes that you need to have is the number of bikes that you have plus one there at you all times. Okay. Time. <laughs> so That's wild. There's always more bikes for you to have. That's...
0: <laughs> that's insane but that's so cool though even because even biking in the city is stressful too like so I don't I don't bike that often when I do I'm usually uh photographing an event or a workout so that's mm-hmm. the only times that I'm I'm biking so I'm never a truly in that experience because my mind is set on Get to this spot, get off the bike, set up the camera, get this shot. So I'm never like fully immersed in just riding and being in that experience. Biking is something I want to get into next. It's
1: this feeling to me of like being free in the city and not having constraints of anybody else telling me where I can go or the timeline of me getting there or being reliant on other people. It's like I am my person getting me work from A to B Mm -hmm. and I say how long it takes me to get there. And like just this sense of freedom is what i get from in biking. you know what
0: i just remembered what you're my intro into cycling really the first time i like got on a bike in new york city was through (laughs) you and take the bridge (laughs) wow
1: did i let you borrow my bike
0: yeah once once upon a time yeah That's wild. That's insane. For Take the Bridge. And I think I was, I was covering Take the Bridge, which we'll get into soon, but not yet. So what about (laughs) racing? How do you approach like your first marathon back in 09? Like what sparked you getting into racing?
1: (laughs) Um, You know, I think that like, what I'll say is that I've had like, my, my relationship to running has like changed over time. Right. And like, I think that when you first start running, like how people think of running. And this is just like, I don't know, maybe society's view of running. And like, when you tell somebody that you're running, that you're a runner, people ask you like, Oh, what are you training for? What are you like racing? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Right. And so like, I think that when you start running, you think to yourself, Oh, like, what am I running for? Like a 5k or 10k or whatever like that. Right. And so the other thing that we have in New York is New York road runners. Right. And they're throwing races all the time. And when you join, a team like back in the day, like you join a team and like the whole idea is that everybody is competing in these New York Roadrunner races with team points. And so like, they wanna get all of their team members to go out and run these races. And so like, when I first started running, like my way of running, like one, I just went out and ran, but it's like, okay, how am I gonna do this the right way? And so like, I looked up on New York Roadrunners, different teams. And then I found that like the New York Harriers like their bio was like, we want to have fun and we want to drink and we want to run. And I'm like, yes, I would like to do that too. So So I joined their team and it was just like, okay, well, what races are you going to race? Like you got to run these New York Roadrunner races to get us points for whatever. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. Like I'll train for these races. And so like, that was just when you first start running, I think that's your only context of like running right is like oh i'm running i should be doing a race right like run, um
0: running for the purpose of racing not for the sake of running yeah
1: right and so like i think i just didn't realize like honestly i don't even think it occurred to me of just running for running you know and like which is where i'm kind of at now but so um my first marathon was—it's like it was like an evolution, you know, where you're like, oh, I guess I'll do a 5K. I guess I'll—and I, I honestly, I think I started with a 10K more than anything. Okay. So, like, start with a 10K, and then at some point, somebody mentioned the Brooklyn Half Marathon, which was my first half, and I did that, and I was like, oh, that was good. And then somebody, and I remember just like going for a nine mile run before the marathon for the half. And I'm like, I sure hope I can do this next four miles next week. Like, let's see see how that goes, (laughs) right? I'd never run more than nine miles at that point. So the next evolution, it's like, okay, well, after that, you do a marathon. And I'm like, oh God, (laughs) right? And I think like in my first marathon, I qualified for the New York marathon at that time. So I was like, somebody was like, oh, now you have to do a marathon. And I think it was too late to use that qualifying time for New York this year. So I knew it was going to be for next year. And I was like, well, what's a marathon that's local that I can do? So I did um, the Philly marathon, the Philadelphia marathon for my first marathon. And it's this feeling of like, I have no idea how the fuck I'm going to do this Mm-hmm. But okay, like, let's just have faith that like everybody else has done this. So like, let's just follow in the steps of whatever everybody else has done to train for a marathon. And then I'll do that. And let's, mm-hmm. let's just hope it works. <laughs> oh.
0: For your first marathon, was your goal to finish or did you have a time set that you wanted to finish under?
1: Um, honestly, I think I just wanted to finish. I think I had the time of what was needed to qualify for for Boston in my mind. Um, and like, that was like almost like they talk about having like three different goals for a marathon. Like my first goal was to finish mm-hmm. <laughs> my second goal or like my, that was like my C goal. My A goal was to like, oh, it'd be really cool. Like if I could qualify for Boston in this marathon Um, so that would be like, I'm not telling anybody that secret, but like, or that goal, but like, that's secretly a goal. Mm -hmm. And then like my middle goal was like, oh, well maybe like 10 minutes slower than that. Like, let's just, if I'm like, if I'm going to tell people a goal, that's the goal I'm really telling. Right. So like, that's my three goals. And then I had like a little pace band of times or whatever. I'm pretty sure I negative splitted my first marathon, which is pretty crazy, but I think I like went out. And it's like this feeling of everybody tells you you're gonna hit this wall. And so it's like, okay, I better go slow. Like I I have to hit these times that are like, you know like this is the, at the time when they like, I don't know if they do this anymore, but like at the marathon, like like whatever expo, they give you a little wristband and you put it on and it tells you your split times for every single uh, moment.
0: I don't think and so. They, I don't know. You're talking to the wrong guy. I don't race. So you're talking to the so wrong guy.
1: On and I was like, I must hit these times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's so convenient though. That's so right. Cool. So
1: like I was like very meticulous. Like, don't yeah. go faster than this time. can't yeah. go faster than this time. And I think the times that I was looking at was for my like whatever, five to ten minutes past like slower than the postum qualifying time. And then nice. Philly, you do this this album back for the last like 10K. And I remember like at about 10K left to go, I was like, I'm still feeling good. Like let's start to pick this up a little bit. <laughs> nice. and um I think some of the people that were with me were running that they were slowly dying and I was like I think I'm gonna leave you I think I'm mm. gonna pick it up a little bit that's how I finished my first marathon
0: that's so cool
1: <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I qualified for Boston in the first one too
0: that's amazing that is so fun wow congratulations yeah. it's yeah. interesting the runner's perspective that if you get into running, you have to race, like, what are you training for? What are you running for? And it's so much centered around racing, which I find very interesting because I'm the exact opposite. Like I don't race. My intro to running, as I mentioned before, was all into fitness. It was getting back in shape. And even then I was training for a football tryout. So I was still having the mindset of a football player, not as a runner. And as your mom mentioned, like if she doesn't move her body, she's missing a part of her day and her morning if she doesn't start that way. You feel it. I feel that now after a while, the habit of running every morning felt like a routine. It was definitely a part of my day and the way that I started my day. So if I didn't wake up and run, I didn't start off the day right. I've always been running for the sake of running, not Goal oriented to do a race, so it's very interesting because I'm the opposite. Like I don't, if I sign up for a race, it's just because I want to, but not because I have to or feel like I have to. Like I have no 5Ks, I have no 10Ks, no half marathons, and planned or booked. <laughs> I'm just running.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's been my last two years of, after I haven't been injured for the past two years, just enjoying running for running and just mm-hmm. being thankful to have running. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. So for the listeners, is that you? That's throwing a fit Dad. at you right now? Oh, that's so funny. I can hear Shade, my puppy, in his room throwing a fit because he wants to get out.
1: Oh, I probably oh. should have done that. It's
0: cool. How's Cashew doing? How old is he?
1: He's about a year and a half now.
0: Okay, so. that's right. Just a little bit older than Shade.
1: Yeah. So. How
0: has that been? How was the transition for him from New York to L.A.?
1: Um, so I got him when I was in L.A., but it was like towards the tail end of one of my like three month stints here. And so Kashi's always um, traveled with me all over the place. So I feel like I've just, it's just been a part of our life is that he's constantly going from one place to the next place to the next.
0: The nomad puppy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so he's very used to it. I think he's probably, this is the longest we've stayed put in a long time. Wow. So. I think he's probably like, what's going on? I don't understand. We're not moving around again.
0: Wow. That's his norm. Did you fly with him or road trip from Cali to New York? I've done
1: done both. So I got him when I was in California. I flew up from California to Seattle and then I flew from Seattle to, to like two separate complete trips, like one up to Seattle. And then I was in Seattle for like a month. And then I Flew from Seattle to New York with him. And then recently when I did my road trip, I just took him on my road trip with me from New York to LA.
0: There's no way he would sit still on the plane. He loves car rides though. Man, does he love going on adventures and road trips? Let me tell you. Yeah,
1: Cashy loves car rides a lot. So.
0: Do you throw him in the passenger seat or like in the back?
1: For this road trip, we... Um, took the back seat of my jeep out and then we built out this platform it's in the back of my jeep so the original idea is like one it provided a space for me to lay down and sleep in the middle of my road trip if i needed to and two it covered up all of the race equipment that i had underneath so when you look into the jeep you couldn't see all of my race equipment that i had right um which later served a purpose in helping not get my race equipment stolen when somebody broke into my car. So mm, <laughs> that was the thing. But it then became this platform then just became Cashy's bed. <laughs> like, just He just wants to lay there all the time. And honestly, I could be a bad dog mom by just letting him just lay in the back platform. Yeah. But like, yeah. it's where he loves to and he like just chills and he lays. The other thing is he like Puts his nose up against the window and like watches out the window. Oh, and so, cool. like, the back windows have like his nose print all over because that's just where he's that's like, That's hilarious. Forward.
0: Yeah. Shade loves riding with me in the passenger seat, but what he does, so weird. It's so cool though. He'll lean on the armrest because he knows oh, that yeah, that's, that's how I drive. Yeah. And so, his arm, like, his paw is always on my arm on the armrest while I'm driving. So, that's him. He's the best co pilot ever let's take a step back your time in portland growing up in portland did you play any sports were you a competitive athlete growing up being active is one thing were you a competitive athlete
1: so i tried my hand at basketball like honestly in portland like basketball is like the only sport that like one we don't have like it's the only pro team up until like recently it's been the only pro team that we've had is basketball right Mm -hmm. So I grew up going to Blazer games. And so like I played basketball, but here's the thing. I'm a very defensive basketball player. (laughs) Like I would foul out of most games.
0: (laughs) I don't believe it. There's no way. No, no. Who, you?
1: Very aggressive.
0: Wow. There's no way. I don't believe it. No.
1: I think I like after middle school, stopped playing basketball. And then um, in high school, I tried my hand at cheerleading, but what I actually really loved was dance team. So I took dance all of my life I've taken dance, but like joined dance team in high school and was on that.
0: Interesting. So, yeah. Favorite kind of dance style.
1: I did many different versions of dance. So like I started off in tap, tap dance. Wow. And I like was the queen. Like I thought I was the best. Like I remember I mean, having- I can
0: see you would floor apartment, go ahead and break out those tapping shoes and let's go no. ahead. Let's get it on this podcast.
1: <laughs> I remember like I would like go on like like little like mini tap offs with people. <laughs> wow.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so fun. So-
1: So, and then like, I remember asking my mom, I was like, well, I want to take jazz. And my mom like would be like, was like, no. And so like, at one point I was just like, well then I'm not doing dance at all anymore unless I can like and I can take a jazz class. So eventually she let me take jazz. So I like have one taken classes and have been taught um, in like ballet, lyrical, jazz, hip hop, and then tap. Right? and then like through dance team, like we, we play, like we would dance hip hop, but that would be more for like in the middle of football games. And to be honest, I still don't know how to play football because of this, because like I, I would, um, we'd be practicing up until halftime and then we'd go out and dance and then like go back and get changed, take a shower because we'd be rolling around in the mud and on the halftime show. And then, like, come back for the last, like, 10 minutes of a game. So, I like, I've never even known like how to. Like, watched
0: for new football. Wow. No, at all. Did, did you watch the Super Bowl this weekend?
1: <laughs> I did. Like, I halfway did. I halfway Are did. you
0: the person that's asking all the questions during the game? Wow. I, I
1: never know what's going on in that game.
0: That's so, wild.
1: So, that's, like, that was my form of, like, being active is okay. dancing. But, like, so, I would say hip-hop was, like, it was fun. I still love hip-hop, but, like, um we did all things like I did all things yeah
0: that's so, so cool The one
1: thing I never like I never like went on point in ballet mm. so that was okay like, Was never advanced enough for that
0: when you moved to New York did you have any aspirations to pick up dance again or no no no, no? okay I, think was I was just curious
1: yeah yeah
0: you hung yeah. up the you hung up the tap dancing shoes
1: yeah Yeah. I also like, I don't have the typical, like, especially back in the day, like I don't have a dancer's body and Mm. I'm not going to, so like, it just didn't make sense. I see.
0: All right. So fast forward to now, outside of running and cycling, you do trail, don't you?
1: So I just messaged some friends, like my very first group of friends that I like ran with that, like years and years and years ago, none of them live in New York anymore. And they all got into trail running. And like I've all I was always the one out of all of them that was like, I do not like trails. I will never fucking run trails. I will never do a trail race. Like you guys are fucking crazy. And they try to get me into it. And like I do remember we used to go up to New Paul's all the time and run up on the trails there, but that's like a different beast versus like real trail running, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at some point like I just oh you know what it is like living in LA like the trip like what I have found is I miss the road running in New York so much Mm. that's the one thing I really miss right and like this thing of running and feeling the energy of the city through running the streets right and like it's the way that we run in New York and the fact that like you don't fucking run on the subway or on the sidewalks you run on the streets and you run with traffic and it's very dynamic and it's very like you have to be paying the fuck attention at all times right and like because of that you feel the energy of the city as you're running and that's just not something that's present here in LA at all right and so like for a while when I have been out here it's like I kind of don't want to run out here <laughs>
0: where do you run neighborhoods track beach
1: so when i first came out here i was just running on the beach path which is probably one of the reasons i didn't like it because it's like the beach path here is kind of like Times square you know (laughs) like Mm, everybody's out there you know and so like the one thing like i have really fallen in love out here with riding because like i love going out to malibu and riding the canyons and like climbing for for like an hour and then like you descend and like it I don't know like I love that. And so I was like I'd rather ride any day than run on the beach path to be mm-hmm. honest, right? Yeah. And then eventually somebody took me out trail running and I was like, "Oh, this is nice. I can do this." And so like I've refallen back into loving here or I've refallen back into running here by the trail running. And I'll say that I still prefer running on the streets of New York, but it's the one version of running out here that I enjoy and love and it feels like an adventure when you're running the trails out here. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So fun. You know what? I haven't even been to LA yet. Never? I don't think ever I've been to LA. Oh, yeah.
1: God. Are you anti LA?
0: No. Okay. Mm. I think I would love to go. What I want to do is go for the marathon. If not race, I'd want to go shoot. I've been getting that bug to road trip across the country again, and it would be so awesome to do it with shade. I've mentioned this before, but I'm like one impulse away from packing up our bags and then road tripping with shade.
1: Doing it once. It's like, I just want to keep doing it all the time now.
0: Road tripping across the country? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's a lot of fun.
1: I prefer getting from one place to the other via my car, like driving there Mm -hmm. than taking like a plane because mm-hmm. like when you're driving there, you can fully understand all the landscapes that you go through and like life in general that you're going through to get to that place. versus very removed getting on a plane and the anxiety that's part of flying.
0: Road tripping is a very like enlightening experience. Oh, how far does it take you to get to Malibu on your bike?
1: Um, So like, right, I'm like on the northern part of Santa Monica. So it's okay. not very far. Like, it's just gotcha. a few miles, to be honest. My favorite climb is maybe a five mile bike ride out to get to the base of the climb that I love with Manga. So,
0: reason I ask is I want to ask you, what's your farthest road race you've done?
1: So, I've only done one race with biking, and that was in Central Park. Um, and I think that was three laps of Central Park. Um, but my, longest bike ride is 120 miles and that was actually in new york francisco arranged or like organized a century ride for me for my birthday a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. and then like it just ended up being 120 miles for me
0: nice yeah that's so far like thinking about doing that on your feet is crazy (laughs) that's so cool though one other thing what about ultras have you done any ultra races or you think you would get into I'm it now
1: Training for an ultra right now
0: nice
1: <laughs> when is and it it's, it's the it's um the end of april and what i'll say is like it's the first time in a long time that i've signed up for something and been like it's almost that same feeling of like the marathon and that like well i'm not sure. i've never done this i have no fucking clue how i'm gonna cover this distance but we're just gonna like i hired a coach and so like I just have somebody helping me get there mm-hmm. and I have to just have faith that it'll come along. So
0: nice. That's yeah. exciting. That's going to be a lot of fun. Have you ever coached anyone else like runners, cyclists?
1: I have in different formats. So like um, I, when I first started running or maybe like a couple of years into me running, I became like a Nike pacer slash coach. So um, I paced a lot of the runs with NRC, like back in the day when they had Nike Run Club, I paced like a majority of those runs. And then what would happen is that like any influential people that needed coaching through Nike, they go through um, this company called MKTG to hire those coaches. And so like I've coached a few different, like, like the editor of Glamour, I've, I've coached her through like a 10K. So things like that, like people that are influencers that need coaching, Nike would like source us through that way. Yeah, I've done that. And then like um, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, my dad wanted to run a marathon for his 60th birthday. Mm -hmm. So I coached him from couch to marathon.
0: Nice, that's so cool. Yeah. Congratulations, pops. That's fun.
1: Yeah.
0: I was going to say you could have, Oh, no, like speedwalk. I was going to try to make a speedwalk joke, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that's cool. No, end of April, your first ultra. All right. Now let's dive into it. Take the bridge.
1: <laughs> you wait for the very last thing to talk about is take yeah, the bridge. But what I want to do,
0: I want to walk through the background of take the bridge. So where did the idea come from? What sparked take the bridge?
1: Um, so I was the president of the Harriers at some point after running with them for so long, I became the president of the Harriers and like, they had a 5k race that they would throw every year in an effort to like, one, get people to know the team, but also to raise some funds for the team. And when I joined less and less people were showing up for that race and it became like this thing where nobody would come to our race anymore. (laughs) So like, okay, as the president, I have to throw a 5K, but like this obviously isn't working anymore. And the problem, the reason why it wasn't working anymore is because at the time really your only option was running a New York Roadrunner race. And so like, if you have like small, and this is like in the very beginning days of New York Road Roadrunners and before they really became anything or New York City runs, I'm sorry which is like the alternative to New York Road Runners. And it's before they really got anything really started. And so it was just like, there was no other choice. And so if you're throwing a race, that's not a New York Road Runner race, like who's gonna fucking show up to that? Like you have like some inky dinky race over in Riverside that you don't know if they've really like certified the course. You don't know if it's really a 5K or you can like go and run a race in Central Park and like get a bagel afterwards. And like all the people are, you know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like, how do you compete with the, Like somebody that's that big, you know, like you can't, yeah. Unfortunately. And so my alternative was like, we're not going to compete with them. We're just going to offer something completely different. Something completely different. And so at the time, um I like I said, I really love running over the bridges. And so that was just my original thought was like, let's do a race over the bridges. Like nobody fucking races over the bridges. And like We had no money for permits or anything, so it's like let's just fucking do it. So that's how it started, <laughs> and like honestly, it was just like you show up, you bring some money, and then you run over the right, over the bridge, and it was one direction over the Queensboro Bridge, and that was it. And then we, like all went to Big Alice Brewery afterwards that was it.
0: For those listening who might not know, I'm gonna let you take the reins on this for take the bridge. I would say unsanctioned races.
1: They are. So unsanctioned just means that we don't get any permits. We don't get permission from anybody to run the race. And it really is like, you have no idea what you're signing up for, to be honest, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's what we call alley cat style, or checkpoint driven. And that's based off of this idea of like, in New York, bike messengers who go and, you know, like do pickups all day long at different spots. When they get off of work, they do an alley cat race. And it's like to prove I can do my job faster than you, you, you do your job. And so you show up and they give you a number of like spots to do like faux pickups. And then you come back to the finish. So it's like that, but for runners, right? And here's my other thought is like, I don't know if you've ever done this but in New York I would get shit done on my runs like (laughs) like I would I would have like that I was doing on my runs and so like really yes
0: it makes sense but me no I need to run come back and then I do what I need to do on my
1: easy days on my easy days I would do that and I'd be like I'm gonna go drop something off here I'm gonna go pick something up here and then I'm gonna come back home and so So it's almost like it makes sense to like, have something similar to that for running, right? And so it's like, what happens is you show up and then we give you a number of checkpoints. You have to hit the checkpoints in order and then you have to come back to the finish. And you have no idea where those checkpoints are gonna be until you show up the race night. And like, I can tell you like, oh, I think it's gonna be somewhere between like five and six miles, but like, who fucking knows? And if you Mm -hmm. get lost, you're running more than that. And I can't control that, (laughs) right? So you show up, we mark the start, we tell you your checkpoints and you go for your race and that's it. So what's nice is, you know, when you do any other kind of structured 5K, 10K, whatever, you have all these mile markers set out. You have like, okay, I'm running a 5K. Here's what I need to be hitting for my splits every mile so I can hit a 5K time, my, my PR time, right? And so it's like throughout the race, you're judging how your race is going according to all these parameters that have been set up to like measure your race and so like throughout the race all those are going to affect how you're feeling throughout the race right like oh I should be running faster oh my gosh I can't believe I didn't hit that split time you know and so like
0: oh you have a split time strapped around your your wrist and you're trying to follow (laughs) negative splits in your first marathon that stuff happens too yeah
1: yes that too so it's like I wanted to just take all that shit away. Like who fucking cares about that? Like racing and running is about racing. And like, I like the idea of honestly chasing the person ahead of you. And you're just trying to keep up with that person, you know? And so like, when you don't know how long you're racing then you don't have mile markers that you're supposed to be hitting. We don't have mile markers. Like we don't have, we didn't set the course. So there's no way for me to tell you how, like how long you've now been running, you know? And so it's like, When you take all of those away, you don't have like outside parameters that are telling you how your race is going. Like you're fucking tapped into yourself and you're telling yourself how your fucking race is going. (laughs) You know, like that's my version of our races is that like, fuck everything else you're racing and you're like fully present in what you're doing. And like, it's almost like childlike in that you're literally just trying to keep up with the person ahead of you, right? And that's, that's it, so- there you go. What I will say also, we did start with bridges and it's because our races started in Brooklyn or in New York. Right. And like New York has these iconic, amazing fucking bridges. Right. But as we've gone and we now have our races all over the world, you know, like it's not only bridges that people think of as like iconic mile places or whatever. And it's like, what is the bridge for your community is now my thought. Right. And so like, we just did a take the bridge on the trails out here in LA and there was no bridge. <laughs> and we called it Take the Ridge instead. And it's like, what is our like our iconic place that bridges the community and everybody meets each other, or sees, sees each other along their runs? It's on the trail. So like we did it on the trails, you know, and like in Chicago, we just did a race over the summer and it was called and we called it Take the Hill. And there's like this one hill that people do hill repeats on. And so we literally just did hill repeats to see who who could do the most hill repeats in like a set number of period of time, which is crazy. So like- That's so cool. It's no longer just about the bridge anymore, but it's like, what is your bridge or what is your Hmm. thing in the city that like everybody runs?
0: Wow, that's awesome. Hearing you talk about it, you can understand the- evolution of take the bridge like where it began to where it is now that's why that's so cool do you have a favorite take the bridge moment
1: Uh, (laughs) there's a lot i I was gonna say there
0: must be so many
1: yeah i don't know if there's like one what i will say is like we did a race in london and like or maybe it wasn't even the race in london but it was this moment where all of a sudden I'd like, I'd done like a vision board at some point of like all these bridges that I wanted to go to. And like, one of them was in London. And I was like, I really fucking want to do, I want to partner with these people and I want to do these bridges. And like, you know, just like last year, I looked back and I was like, you know, I've actually done all those bridges and I've partnered with all those people now. So like, I think I need a new vision board now, like this is crazy. In London, when I was brought to London to do a race, it was just like, you are getting paid to come to another country to throw races, like, <laughs> wow.
0: It's not your day I, job either. That's no, the exciting like, part, that's yeah. That's
1: looking amazing. And yeah. like, just being, like my races, like leading up to them, it can be super stressful and it's a lot to, and like, it doesn't sound like it should be stressful because it's so like broken down and like bare bones or whatever, but it is stressful. And like, I have to keep reminding myself of like back when it was just small, like my thoughts of what it could be and like how amazing it could be and the fact that I'm now here and I've surpassed that and like being thankful for like what this has afforded me and all the things, the opportunities that have come my way just by just being present and throwing something for our community, you know? And so like, I have to keep reminding myself of that. Um, These races started as like my way of serving the community, so like, running the, the people that I know in running have become my second family. Right. So it's like, how can I be of service to my family? How can I show them that I'm here for them? And I, you know, like, how can you support these people? And that's what these races are for me. Right. And it's like this idea of like, when you are in service to somebody and you're not asking for anything in return, and you're just doing it because you want to help somebody else out. Right. And so like the whole idea is that I want to get people to get outside of this idea of what running can be or what running should be and like let them fully experience running for the joy of running, right? And so like, or even racing. And so it's like, when you are in service to other people it is amazing what will come back to you. And it feels like it comes back like doubly every single time. And it's like so fucking amazing. And I would do it even if that didn't come back to me that way and I just want to be here for everybody else. So like, I think that's just been this, amazing thing to take and be appreciative of. Um, I will say that like the last race that we just did um, on the trails in LA, one, it was our biggest race like since coming to LA. So like we started doing races out in LA in 2020. And so it's like, it's probably been our biggest race in LA so far and I really did not, it was this thing where you had to like park and then hike up a mile just to get to the start, right? And then, like one, we sold out, and like it, I like our field was big. And then, like I did not think anybody would. One, I everybody that signed up showed up for race day. Like nobody yeah, scratched, yeah. which wow. is pretty fucking crazy. And two, that like I did not think there'd be any spectators because I'm like nobody's gonna want to come and hike up a mile to come and watch this race. And there was like so many people that showed up. So that was like. An amazing thing to experience, but then also the fact that we finished up on this tower, the Nike Tower, and through that tower, you could see like one, I was riding my bike with everybody or with the first place pe- person. And like as I'm riding my bike, you can see the tower and everybody cheering from the tower from like maybe 75% of the entire course, right? So even if they're not like right next to you cheering. You could hear them cheering. You could feel the energy of the finish line throughout the entire race, which is pretty fucking amazing. And then we get up to the tower when the first place person finishes. And I can see what everybody that's been cheering can see, which is you can see everybody's headlights that they've been wearing on the trails everywhere along the course. So you can see everybody racing out there as you're like up on this tower. Right. And so it's like, energy that's like twofold like them cheering you on and then you feeding into that cheering like feeling that energy of everybody at the finish and I think that was like a moment
0: a moment yeah wow before as you talked about the immersive experience that is New York City hearing you talk about this moment for Take the Bridge in LA it's like that immersive experience is by the people yeah that's that's really interesting New York yeah. City, it might be about the city. There's nothing like it, but take yourself out to the West Coast, experience LA. The immersive yeah. experience might just be the people.
1: Yeah. I think that's so. pretty cool.
0: That's cool. All right. So actually, quick question. How many different cities now are you with Take the Bridge?
1: Okay. Um New York, Boston, Chicago. We've been in Florida, Miami, Raleigh, North Carolina um, Minneapolis and St. Paul or yeah, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, we've been to Boulder, Denver, Austin, San Diego, San Francisco, LA, Portland, I'm trying to think if there's any other places besides that. And then we've recently done a race. So we did London, um, Melbourne, Australia, um, and I think that's it. We did like some like virtual stuff um, where I let other people throw races with me coaching them the night of. Oh, cool. And that happened mm-hmm. in um, Amsterdam, Nuremberg, um, out in Spain. Um, so I think that's everything.
0: Nice. That's a, a ton oh, of places Mexico though.
1: City. Mexico City too.
0: There you go. Dope. Yeah. All right. Last question. We can wrap up here. What is next for Take the Bridge? What's in the works?
1: Um, So I'm currently working on this thing called Take the Bridge Hubs. And it just means that if I've helped you throw a race, if you've been there with me throwing a race in the past, you can now throw Take the Bridge without me being there. And so those are gonna be set up all over the country and all over the world. Um, And Mexico City and and Melbourne are gonna be our two internationals and possibly Amsterdam will be our third international race this year. So those will be the international ones, but then we'll have them all over the country as well. Um, So that's like 2022 altogether, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to set up a full schedule for the entire year for that. Um, And then like directly what's next is that I'm working with um, somebody in LA and we're gonna do a women's only race March 10th. So that hasn't been announced yet.
0: (laughs) well it has now mark your calendars yeah
1: (laughs) so we're doing a race um march 10th where only women will be racing it's for women's history month and it's this idea that like we really want to continue to really empower the females in our community and asking any of the men that typically run our races to be in full support of the women so coming out and supporting and cheering and volunteering but then like only letting the women race so nice coming up
0: coming yeah. up yeah. uh mark your calendars get ready to race that's so that's cool it. that's fun yeah. all right um this has been a lot of fun thank you so much thank
1: you, thank you. it's good talking to you
0: yeah good talking <laughs> to you too all right stay tuned more to come as always stay for the stories